It's your boy B. Moore, joined by my co-host Rustin Stewart, and this is episode number 13 of the From New York to the Shy podcast. Russ, how you doing, man? What's good? Lucky number 13, baby. What's up, man? How you feeling, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's good to see you again, and we got a lot of things happening, man. I, I want to let all the listeners know that we have a sponsor. We got a brand new sponsor to the from New York to the Shop podcast, man. So uh, I'm excited about that. So just want to let everyone know that this episode of From New York to the Shy is brought to you by Title Boxing Club Maplewood. Title Boxing Club Maplewood is very proud to sponsor this episode of the From New York to the Shy podcast. Title Boxing Club is fun, energetic, and a little sexy kind of like the host of this show. Title Boxing Club offers an amazing group of boxing and kickboxing classes along with top-notch personal training. To sign up for Title Boxing Club's free daily five-minute-long workouts, just send them a message and they will respond as quick as a jab from the greatest Muhammad Ali. You can follow Title Boxing Club Maplewood at TBC Maplewood on Facebook and on Instagram at Title Boxing Maplewood. You know you can find me at Title Boxing Club Maplewood. It's where I go for an exhilarating and fun boxing workout. And Russ, you just started boxing, right? I've been boxing for years. You just kind of got into it a little while ago, right? Yeah, man. I've always been a big fan of boxing. My dad was a huge boxing fan, so I would, you know, watch a lot of boxing matches with my father. But I just picked it up probably like August. Yeah. And man, I love it, man. It's so technical, man. Like, you know, it's funny to kind of look back and I know that I have a lot to learn still, but, you know, I really thought I was doing something. You know how you always like shadow box and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Man, (laughs) he destroyed every thought that I had about boxing. And because it's so technical, you know that. You know, our boys over at Title Boxing in, in Maplewood know that, right? It's not just throwing punches. It's it's some technical, you know, stuff behind boxing, man. So it's very, uh, very interesting to learn. And, and it's a great, uh, great exercise to get that, car- that heart rate up, man. Yeah, it's nothing like a boxing workout. And it is so technical. That's why they call it the sweet science. Um, it, it's always, when I first started, um, you know, I was a couple months in, maybe like six months or so in, and I was hitting the punching bag and I was nice. I was nice on the right. punching bag. I was right. nice, Russ. Mm-hmm. You know, I yep. was feeling myself. Then yep. I got in the ring and I and I had my first couple of sparring sessions. And yeah. things it, changed. It, huh? There's a comp- change quickly. They changed quickly. Um, it's, it's a huge difference between, you know, being uh, hitting something that actually hits back and that moves. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It changes it, things a little it bit, changes right? Things, yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely. Shout out to the to, to our guys out there at Title Boxing. And, and you know what, B? I'm gonna because I, I know you know. What's the quote from Mike Tyson? Uh, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. So you know, I'm getting my punches are getting better. My root, my my combinations are getting better, B. But I'm really trying not to get cocky. Because yeah. I'm hitting mitts 
Exactly. You know, and every now and then my boxing instructor will kind of act like he's going to throw a punch. And I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa. Hey, you didn't tell me <laughs> about that. But uh, right. yeah, man, it's definitely a, a fun sport, man. Yeah. So thank you to our new sponsors. Um, so let's get right into it real quick, Russ. Um, so Michael Strahan was in the news earlier this week. Uh, and Michael Strahan is famous for a lot of things. Uh, he's an NFL right. Hall of Famer. Uh, he's seven time pro bowler, two time NFL sack leader. And most recently, uh, the host of ABC's Good Morning America. Uh, but he was in the news for something that didn't have to do. It didn't have anything to do with football, did not have anything to do with ABC or news. Uh, he had some dental work done and he had his iconic or his famous trademark gap closed. Uh, anybody who's familiar with him knows that he has a prominent gap in his two front teeth. And he actually went to the dentist, had it closed. Uh, he said he would always wondered what he would look like with it closed. And uh, he had a camera crew kind of following him, documenting the, the process. And he said that he loves it. He's really happy with the results. So that leads me to my question to you, Russ. If you had the opportunity to change anything about you physically, would you do it? Because the reason Mike said that he didn't do it up and it took him so long to do it was because his parents always taught him to embrace you know yourself you are who you are embrace all of your flaws you know all of you know the good things you know so that's why he he it took him so long to do it but now he says he loves it so what would you do um first let me just give a shout out to michael strahan because i mean he has written the blueprint for a former athlete yeah. I mean, yeah. what show is he not on, B? <laughs> He's on a lot of shows. He's on a lot of shows. So big ups to Michael Strahan for, you know, extending his career and, and being on TV through all the shows that he's doing. Now, the question is, would I change anything about myself? You know, I'm a little older now, B. So there's not so many things I would change about myself now because I'm very, you know, I'm learning to be more secure with who Rustin is, how I look and what my parents gave me through their genetics and what God gave me. So, but B, mm -hmm. there was always, if I could just get a few more inches. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm like five, nine, yeah. right? On a good day. Mm-hmm. And it's never stopped me from, you know, being good at sports. I've always was pretty much the fastest, the most athletic on the court, football field, whatever. So I didn't really think about my height with sports, but I did think about my height when, you know, when you enter a room, B, and if you're like 6'3 or over six foot and you have good posture and you have a good, nice size, you know, there's a presence to you. Like mm -hmm. you command the room. Mm -hmm. So... You know, it'd just be nice to 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 be like over six foot. You know, my ideal height would be six three. Right. But you know, I mean, it's all about how you carry yourself. You can still command a room and have that that presence with being under six foot. It's just about your attitude and and your posture. Well, let me ask you this: What about your dad? Is your how tall is your dad? Is he is he so, six feet or so? So my dad is six foot. Okay. Right. My mom. It's 5'1". Mm, yeah. So when I get down on my height, let me first, my brother's 5'11". Okay. Right? So when I get down about my height, 
It could have been a lot worse for me, B. My mom's 5'1". Oh, yeah, absolutely. It so I try been. to remember that. And, you know, I've, talking, I've talked to girls about this. And, you know, I don't know if they were trying to be nice to me, but they were like, I don't look at you as short. Uh -huh. Like, no, I don't look at you. You're not short. Right. And, you know, I see what they're saying. But, man, when I moved to New York, B., Man, I'd be walking the streets in Manhattan and it just seemed like everybody, every guy was taller than me. I'm like, well, damn, is this the land of the giants? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I would I would say the exact same thing, though, uh, because the same thing. My my dad is around six feet. My granddad's 5'11". So I'm 5'9 as well. I don't know why I got like slighted, you know, those couple of inches, you know, even, you know, five. You know, I don't even have six feet. You know, I don't I don't even... I don't even like have like feel like I needed to be six feet, but a good barefoot five ten or five eleven yeah. that would have been that would have been cool with me, you know? Because right. I don't because even if think you, if you barefoot at five eleven, you're six foot with shoes on, right? Because right? a lot of people when they talk about Allen Iverson, they say you know at a lot most players will tell you that Allen Iverson wasn't like a legit six feet. They'll say he oh, was no. more around like five eleven or so. So. You know, um, yeah, I don't feel like I necessarily needed it for sports or anything like that. But yeah, I would de if I had one thing to change, I would definitely, you know, give myself like a good five, five eleven. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like waking up in the morning where you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, because, you know, I look at these guys that are like six, three, six, four. You know how many people that they're meeting that they're pretty much the tallest. Yeah. Right. Like there's not too many people that they're meeting. Right. Unless they're hang hanging out in NBA circles where the guy is taller than them. So I just always wondered what that would feel like to pretty much everybody that you come in contact with. You're taller than, yeah. you know. Yeah. But what I try to do be because I always try to look at the, the bright spot and be happy with what I have. Yeah. I mean, I could be six, three and ugly, you know, I mean, or unhealthy. You know, I mean, I'm not a bad looking guy, so I take my five nine and, you know, be, you know, semi good looking dude. So you got to always think about and look at the positives, man. Yeah, so that's what I've been trying to do, yeah. you know, as I've gotten older. Yeah, yeah. It could definitely be worse. It could be five, six, five, seven. You know what right. I'm saying? You know, so, yeah, I'll take my I'll take my five nine and be happy with it. Moving on. Master P was in the news um make you say oh is this right <laughs> all right cool you know you know master it, you know here's another thing when it comes to people choosing you know because we've done like like our top five list for rappers and all that kind of stuff right. and i'm gonna stop judging people for their top fives especially like the younger people the younger generation because music is like an experience you know what i'm saying like i don't think there's anyone in their right mind who would like say master p is like a was like a great rapper but right. he literally was the one of the soundtracks to our college history you know what i'm saying there wasn't Definitely. a party when we were in when we were in college that didn't have a dope master p song you know what i'm saying so right. you know it's right. about your experiences it's about the, the experiences that are linked to that song to that, or that music good. and to the person you know what i'm saying where were you like i i still remember hearing jay-z's big pimping when i was on spring break you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like it's those experiences that go with it so when people are really harsh 
about each about people's favorite rappers and top fives. You know, somebody who was born in the seventies. You know, they're gonna love Rakim and because you know they that's they were that age. You know what I'm right. saying? So right. you know, um, but yeah, I, that's that's a quick aside. But yeah, Master P and 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 to give credit to Master P, I mean he he created a whole different genre of rap. You know, yeah, coming out of New Orleans like that you never heard anything. And I think that's why it was so catchy, B, because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I go back and listen to some of like Silk the Shocker, Master P, you know, Juvenile, all of them. And I'm like, oh, man, this was not good. But... Yeah, at the time, especially Silk the Shocker that shit because was fire. Yeah, I, Silk the Shocker. I never got with Silk the Shocker because he was rhyming off beat, and I don't know if he was rhyming off beat on purpose, but I feel right. like somebody would have tapped him on his shoulder and been like, "Bro, you're off stop. beat." Like that actually takes talent to rhyme off beat because it's difficult to do. Right. If you have rhythm, purposely rhyming off beat, you know that's not the easiest thing, but uh. Like I said, Master P, music mogul, rapper, actor, entrepreneur, and former NBA basketball player. He was in the news, but not because of anything he did, but because of his son. His son, 6'3", senior guard, Hersey Miller. My ideal height, 6'3". Your ideal height, exactly. Hersey Miller, and he's putting it to good use because he announced his, his decision to play basketball next year at Tennessee State, which is a historically black college. Uh, he declined offers from notable Division I schools such as Vanderbilt, Louisiana State, UCLA, and, and several others. So this is part of a resurgence. We've had a lot, well, not a lot, but we've definitely had some five-star basketball recruits who have decided to go and to bypass, you know, the traditional Michigan, UCLA, you know, more of the prominent basketball schools to go to Tennessee State or Jackson State and things like that. You know, we even saw Deion Sanders, you know, he just uh, went down to be a coach at Jackson State University. So there's like a resurgence, so to speak, when it comes to historically black colleges and really trying to get those colleges back to prominence when it comes to athletics. So the reason I want to talk about this is because we actually all of me, you, all of our boys, we actually have like a listserv, you know, to where we, you know, where we have text threads and we kind of go back and forth. And we were actually just talking this week about historically back black colleges. And I want to say this. The first time I actually went on a college campus was to Tennessee State. I went on a college tour. My mom paid uh, when I was oh, a junior in high school. And she, yeah, yeah. She paid for me to go on a black college tour. Uh, we went to like Fisk, Tennessee State, Florida A&M, Clark Atlanta, you know, Morehouse. We went, it was a great college tour. I had so much fun. Can but, I ask you a question, B, real quick? Go ahead. Was that your idea or was that your mother's idea? It was my mom's idea. It was all her. It was all her. Uh, she wanted and were me. Were you cool with that? Were you cool with that, or were you like, "Mom, I don't like how were your feelings?" Just take I was me back. cool with it. I was excited about it. My track coaches weren't excited about it because it was in the middle of track season, and oh, yeah. we had um, a couple of invite. Well, we we had a big invitational coming up, but okay. there were it was not it was non negotiable. You know, my mom definitely wanted me to get this exposure, and she wanted me to go on this college tour. So I had to tell my coaches that I was going to miss. You know. Uh, definitely one track meet as well as an invitational as well. So mm. um, they weren't happy with it, but I went and 
I loved it. I had so much fun. I met some cool people and I really got to see, uh, I got my first taste of what college life was like. And the first school that I saw was Tennessee State and I loved it. I left, I left that college tour saying that I was going to Tennessee State. I loved the campus. Uh, just seeing so many black people um, who were there for higher education. They had the most beautiful women. I mean, they were gorgeous. I mean, it was just, I, bet. I was I was really, really excited about going to Tennessee State. Now, I eventually ended up going to University of Missouri because- Which uh, I'm happy about, B, because we never would have met. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we wouldn't have met. So, uh, but Mizzou ended up offering me a scholarship and- I always wanted to work into the work in the journalism field and I didn't know anything about Missouri, but they just kind of came with a scholarship and they happened to just be the number one journalism school in the country. So that was kind of like a done deal, you know, um, because Tennessee State, they weren't offering any kind of scholarships or anything like that. So it was a no brainer that I was going to Mizzou. I say all that to say that I love black colleges. I think that they instill pride in African-Americans. And I think there's a difference. I think from from what you hear, the teachers, it's more of a familial kind of community atmosphere where the teachers actually really care about you. And I think it's just uh, my best friend, Charles, he went to FAMU. I went down there for a spring break and I saw just how they lived and I absolutely loved it. That being said, and this is what we were talking about on the listserv, I don't think that going to a historically black college would have been the best thing for me when it came to my career, career wise, because growing up in Chicago, which was so, so segregated, I literally, you know, I was, I was telling someone the other day when I first got to college, my freshman year, I had culture shock because there may have been 10 white kids in my senior class, maybe. I'm not even sure. Like, I'm guessing maybe, but maybe not, you know. So I had almost no contact with any white people. You know, we, my parents didn't have white friends, you know, besides teachers at the high school. You know, I really didn't have any uh, interaction with members of the white race. So going to Mizzou and ended up where I had a white roommate and I had white classmates I ended up having like white a white friends. For you. It, yeah. Having done that, I think it made it a, a much easier transition. By the time four years later, when I graduated from Missouri, I think it definitely helped me move right into the workforce where it's a predominantly white field in the broadcast journalism industry. And I think that it really prepared me. And I'm not saying I couldn't have adapted. I'm not saying if I had went to a HBCU that I wouldn't have adapted, but it would not have been as easy as a transition because by the time I graduated from Mizzou four years later, I knew how to interact with white people. I knew kind of their mannerisms. It's just different. And and I was more accustomed to that. And I had learned how to interact better. So I don't think, I'm not sure if H, going to a HBCU would have been the best idea for me and i'm glad i did go to mizzou but what do you what are your thoughts on on hbcus because i'm all for it in terms of like sports because you know black athletes were amazing athletes and i don't think it's good that our historically black colleges are like the second tier 
when it comes to sports when we have so much black talent but just academically and socially I feel like sometimes it's better to go where it's mixed because the real world is mixed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I feel I feel pretty much the same as you be. And I want to let everybody know we are no means bashing HBCUs. They're no, not at all. Not at all. They're important and universities. It's just that we're talking about what we feel is best for us and our development. Okay, so when I I'm pretty much opposite of UB, I grew up where my family was usually the first black family entering a neighborhood. Right. So elementary school, there was only two or three other black students in my elementary school. As I get older and kind of climbed up, you know, in schooling and got to junior high, you know, more blacks, you know, came in because now it's more the it's covered more districtly right so it's it's there's a more pot to pick from i mean as you know what i'm saying right so more blacks started to move into the neighborhood and then we got to high school and high school was probably like maybe 60 40 you know 40 percent being white black or black no 60 60 percent being white and then like 40 percent being black right so I was always having to interact with white people. I had white friends at school, but I never took my white friends outside of where I knew them because I was so afraid that once they got comfortable that they would say something like racist or say something that made me feel uncomfortable. Right. So I always kept kind of white people in their spots. I had white friends. I just didn't hang with them outside of school. Right. Um, now, the thing with the HBCUs. Now, let's just go from a perspective. If I was a big time basketball recruit. Right. Because you touched upon that. And Master P's son is a big time basketball recruit. So my whole idea on how to make it to the NBA is to go to a major basketball program the North Carolinas, the Dukes, the Michigans. So big ups for Master P's son by trying to change the narrative by going to an HBCU because real talk be if all the top recruits who are usually black went to HBCUs, they could definitely flip it. So now they're getting TV coverage, right. right? Now they're getting all this attention because they have to follow this big time recruit to this HBCU. But one player is not going to do that. Right. So, but don't you think it takes it takes one player to kind of start that trend? Though? It does. It does take one player to start right. that trend. And I feel like there have been players. Don't ask me who, but that have gone to these HBCUs and didn't really change. I mean, I don't know anything about Master P's son and how good he is. But is he like a big time top recruit or is it just because he's Master P's son? I don't know what level he is in terms of. uh five star because the way they do it is by stars you can be a five star four star three star i would have to look that up um he's supposed to be pretty good and he definitely comes from good pedigree because you know master p was definitely a good basketball player as well you know even gonna have the best coaching yeah even his son romeo you know played in uh what was that usc uh, usc yeah Yeah. he played usc USC. now you know what i just thought about it we say one one person has to start it it doesn't even have to be one what if 
just like remember in the 90s with the fat five with michigan what if five what if five yeah top five star recruits decided to go to a hbcu and make a and make a run and make a title run at the ncaa they could do it that way because imagine you know what though i think b though that they would have to be on a level of like a lebron james or a kobe they would have to be on that level like at least four of the five to get that attention because there's a lot of big time basketball recruits that go to these colleges and you don't even hear about them you see what I'm saying? It would have to be so big like a LeBron. LeBron was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 17. Now, if there were like three players like that that have gotten together and said, let's go to this HBCU, then that would definitely change the TV coverage. Um, I want to touch up on what you said about the real world, too. Mm-hmm. I feel going to a all-black college, an AC, HCBU, right? HBCU. Yeah. HBCU, thank you. It's not the real world, like you were saying earlier. I want to, unfortunately, you know, white people dominate the corporate arena in America. So I would want to prepare myself the best way I could by going to a more diverse university. Yeah, and I'm saying it, it helped me because I did not come from a diverse university. So I feel like I needed that for my progression. Say I say I say if we have flipped our roles to where I went mm-hmm. to a high school you that was 60 percent white. H- yeah. HBCU. If I had went to a school that was 60 percent white, 40 percent black and I had that mix, then I definitely wouldn't have seen a problem with going to a HBCU because I already have had that interaction. I had right. zero interaction. And the reason why was because our school was broken up into districts. In our district, we had four schools. We had Oak Forest, we had Bremen, we had Tinley Park, and we had Hillcrest. I went to Hillcrest, which was like 90, if not 95% black. Okay. Oak Forest was the complete opposite. It was like, that's where all the white kids went. Tinley Park, same thing all the white kids went there and then the other school in the district was Bremen to where it was kind of mixed maybe it would have been like your 60 40 maybe kind of where you went but I was at the all black school so when I say I had no interaction at all with white people right I had none so for me it definitely sped up my progress in terms of like being able to interact with right. the opposite race because I had four years of it where previously I had none of it, you know? Yeah. Now and also go ahead. Also to be, I'm from Kansas city, Missouri. So I grew up rooting for Mizzou to beat Kansas every time they played. So I was a huge basketball fan. And of course I'm rooting for university of Missouri. So, you know, after I did my community college stint, it was university of Missouri. So I didn't even think about an HBCU. Yeah. I was all the way Mizzou. Yeah, yeah. I and definitely- to be honest with you, B, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go ahead and just, and I, we touched upon this. If I went down to an HBCU, I would probably still be down there trying to graduate. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably have three kids by three different women. It's just, I know myself, B, and it's just best that I... I'm at a school where I'm not that tempted. Right, right. Well, I will say, uh, like I've told you, my best friend, Charles, uh, he came from the same situation as I did. 
uh, went to Hillcrest with me, pretty much all black school. He did go to FAMU. He got an agricultural scholarship, went to Florida A&M University, and he uh, he's just fine. You know, he works for the federal government, you know, has no problem interacting, but he has a different personality. You know me, I have a I'm more of a very quiet kind of reserved kind of person, but then not with my friends. When it comes to my friends, I'm very kind of, you know, rambunctious and all that kind of stuff. But other than that, when it's people I don't know, I don't I don't have a very outgoing personality. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that's more you. So yeah. Charles was able to overcome that. I definitely needed that little bit of uh, polishing. I need to be become a little bit more polished when it came okay. when it came to interacting with the opposite race. So, like we said, right. and I'm glad you said it before. Nothing against historically black colleges. I love no. them. Uh, I think these schools like Morehouse and Spelman, you know, it they sh- they they show nothing but black pride. And you know, you have Hampton, and you know, there, there's so many of them, and I love yeah. them. I just know for me, and that's the thing about life is situational. You have to find out what works for you, and, and I you just know, you know have, it wouldn't have worked for me. You have the vice president of the United States who went to an HBCU. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, there's definitely I would love that sense of pride to look around and see, you know, your professors are black and yeah. your students around you are black. And that is definitely a, a sense of pride. But if I ever have kids, I would definitely take them on a HBCU absolutely, tour yeah. because, you know, what, what the main thing is being we didn't address this is that. You shouldn't have to learn how to deal with white people, right? Because it's that thing about code switching, right? You should be able to be Brian Moore, the same Brian Moore that you are with me and your boys, you know, fine tune it a little bit when you're out there in the professional world, but it's dominated by white people. So we kind of have to play to them. You see what I'm saying? I hope that one day we won't have to play to them. So it'd be more equal. You know, it'd be more equal. Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with equality. There's Um, nothing wrong with equality. So, yeah, I mean, maybe when that happens, you know, the kids that feel like us will say, no, I'm going to HBCU because I want to see people that look like me doing big things. Absolutely. What we got next, Russ? Yo, man, we have two callers. B, we have Charles. And we have James. We struck gold this week. We have two. So, B, can you go ahead and play those uh, voicemails for us, man? All right. Here we go. Hey, guys. Love the podcast. Got a couple quick questions for you. What do you think about the NFL expanding to 17 games and also touting that they are interested in player safety? What do you also think about this new era, new age of these NBA players in their comparison to the greats when load management is such a thing. I mean, theoretically, I can't even remember the last time I saw KD, AD, or LeBron play, and nine times out of ten, one of them will be holding the championship trophy at the end of the year after being out for, what, 20, 30-plus games? And last but not least, when masks aren't required anymore, when are you going to be feel when are you going to feel comfortable not wearing one so when they say masks aren't required in public places how long will you all personally keep wearing a mask will you instantly say hey hallelujah it's off or will you wait a couple of days weeks months because you're so used to it and where would you feel more comfortable with it where's the last place you'll take it off the gym 
um, maybe going into a function, a concert, a party, a club. Just let me know. Keep up the good work, gentlemen. Love the podcast. All right. Appreciate that, Charles. All right. See, thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. So a lot of things in that call, Russ. Uh, let's let's start from the beginning. The first one was the NFL. What do you think about the NFL going from a 16 game season to a 17 game season? You know, what be the 16 game schedule for me and a lot of NFL fans were was totally fine. I think adding a 17th game to the season is just greed and all about money already you know how i said that the nba did it right during the bubble Mm -hmm. the nfl that season this last season i felt like what's going on like are we gonna have an nfl season what they're doing is kind of like they didn't have any preseason games and that is they just threw these top level athletes onto the field with no you know preseason no getting ready and that's why you saw a lot of injuries in the NFL this past season now I don't necessarily agree with them having five preseason games before the season because there's always that risk of you know injuring yourself how do you play football at half speed and I know it's more about the players trying to get onto the team Mm -hmm. but you know the starters are playing in that fourth or fifth game of that preseason for most of the game right so I think that they really need to put in some new protocols for these players to protect them because you got to think if you're playing now you're playing Sunday, Monday, Thursday, and then towards the end of the season, B, you're playing on Saturday. So there's been times where a team has played Sunday and they're playing again on Thursday. Right. That happens a couple of times. Yeah. It happens, you know, and it's, and you would think that that team that played Sunday would not play Thursday and they would take a bye. I mean, I don't know the the logistics of it, but I just feel like it's all about money and you're not really thinking about the player's safety. We already have an issue with the concussions, um, CTE, and all these issues. So I think it's really greed and all about money for that that 17th game. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think that it's greedy. I think it's all about money. It's a money grab. But more than that, I feel like what you're basically saying is that you don't care about the records anymore. You know, all of these records are based on 16 games. Being a thousand yard rusher used to be like a badge of honor, but that doesn't really mean anything anymore if you're playing a whole if you have a whole another game to get it. You know, you throw for a certain amount of, you know, a, a hundred catch season would be Mm -hmm. like a milestone for a wide receiver well that's different that's skewed the stats are skewed now if you add a whole entire another game so i think just for the the history of the game and i know that football is not as numbers based as baseball you know baseball numbers are the bible you know the statistics and numbers and baseball are everything more so than any other sport but I just feel like if you're going to add an entire another game, then all of the history books and the records, they don't really mean as much anymore. Yeah, that didn't, I didn't think about that, B. That's a good point. You know, but since 1978, the league has played 16 game regular seasons. 
right in a regular season i think what they really should focus on be would, would be more exciting to the nfl fans myself you included is that they took the how many ever teams gets to the playoffs right they take the best 16 teams or however it is i don't really know how many it is as instead of going by divisions as opposed to the, being as in opposed a to division. the divisions yeah. because the best teams, yeah right you have the the division with the new york giants and the philadelphia and dallas cowboys and redskins that division was trash not one of those teams should go to the playoffs well hasn't because that always i don't want to see them play hasn't that always been an argument for nba as well you know because you the west the west has been like amazing and then you have you know these very you have like one or two good teams in the east and the rest are like really subpar where i think you can always make that argument for taking the best teams to go to the playoffs but that's just not easy to do um if you want to preserve like the rivalries and all that kind of stuff so yeah yeah it'd be definitely difficult but i feel like they should try that or try something else if they want to throw a little more excitement into the game because we all know that the nfl yo their ratings are through the roof like they've definitely come back from their low ratings you know due to the colin kaepernick because to be honest with you b i really tried to stop watching the nfl during that time i was like i'm gonna boycott it yeah but then the chiefs got really good and it was showing the chiefs on national television and i live in new york city and i want to see my boys play man so yeah i gave in sorry colin i hear you i hear you um but i also wanted to say something else because that's what they did with the all-star game too with the basketball nba is that they didn't do the east versus west and they changed it up and i and i like that that format of having you know players play together that probably didn't even wouldn't know one another right so now you hear you have the the bonds and the friendships forming because now they're actually seeing you know their guy that they probably would never be on the same team and they're on their team because Steph Curry and LeBron James played on the same team for the first time ever yeah yeah that was dope okay so moving along what do you think about uh since that's a great segue because you talk about lebron james and steph curry uh what do you think about the second part to charles's question the players are sitting out a lot of games but at the same time these are the same players who are going to probably be playing in the playoffs or the nba finals yeah b i mean i have a, a problem with that so i was a huge jordan fan growing up and they would ask Jordan, like, why did you play that hard against the Milwaukee Bucks? And he said that, you know, there was some kid probably in the stands that never seen Jordan play and probably never will. And he didn't want to go 70% because that was that one kid's opportunity to see him play. And that's how I feel. You know, if I'm going to a game and I'm a kid or I'm a teenager and I want to see Kevin Durant play because he's my favorite player and my parents spend all this money on tickets and you don't play because you're resting. I just have a huge problem with that. And I think that these players with these big TV deals, these net, these teams are getting the NBA is getting. So now they're making so much more money. I mean, I know you know this, B, but Jordan wasn't the highest paid player 
in the league until like his last year with Chicago. Yeah, he made most right? of his money off endorsements. He made most of his money off of endorsements, but he was the best player by far in the NBA. So you get these players making these crazy amounts of uh, salaries and then they're, they're just like not playing because of rest. Yeah. I, I just, you know, there's also two, you know, Iverson was one of my favorite players. He played with broken thumb, with all kind of crazy stuff on his body that would keep these players out. These players today out of the game for at least two games they're missing. So I definitely agree that this NBA is a new NBA. I think that people have to realize that it's a different game. It's all about offense. People want to see high scoring games. People want to see, you know, Steph Curry shoot 30 footers. Right. So the game has changed. But I just feel like the guys back in the 80s and the 90s, those were them boys. Yeah. uh, Back in the day, playing 82 games was definitely a badge of honor. And it's just not anymore. You know, you still have some guys like LeBron James and a lot of people don't give him respect. But James Harden, James Harden does not miss games. James Harden, you could talk about the way he plays, but James Harden plays games. And uh, it's just it's just a different time. You know, everything changes. And, uh, you know, it's just not looked at uh, playing all, all of the games and playing every night and playing if you're able to play, even though the salaries have gone up. And the exposure has gone up. Uh, playing every single game is just not looked at and it's just not held in as high regard as it used to be. All right, moving on. Lastly, COVID. First of all, House, when will you be comfortable taking the mask off? And when where's the last place that you will go? I think that's what he said. When you when you where's the last place that you would take it off? I'll start. I will feel comfortable not wearing the mask when everybody else isn't wearing it (laughs) i'm not gonna be the one guy who's not wearing a mask so when everybody else is not wearing it i won't be wearing it either and i think the last place i would um i would feel comfortable taking it off would be something like a uh like an nba game or a huge sporting event or a concert where they're literally thousands of people in one area like you know 60,000 people in one in one uh confined area that that's the last place I will uh take that mask off when when it's time so uh that's 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 a very short and and, and to the point answer for me I will feel comfortable taking it off when everybody else takes it off (laughs) and that's a good point that you made B because I mean I'm going to make this even shorter than yours your answer I wore my mask a lot of times, especially on the streets, just because I didn't want somebody coming up to me and saying, where's your mask? Where's your mask? Because then I would have to check you. So to avoid conflict, I wore my mask. Did I want to wear my mask? Hell no. So to answer Charles's question, as soon as they say you don't have to wear a mask, I'm taking the mask off. I'm throwing all of them away and I don't want to see a mask on my face forever. Unless I'm in the hospital visiting somebody. Right. I'm just I'm just tired of the mask. I'm, you know, I'm still going to wear them out of respect for other people. But as soon as they say you don't have to wear a mask anymore, I'm taking it off and burning them. So and then with the last comment, I can be at a, a sporting event and without a mask and feel comfortable. Moving on, we have our second call. What's up, Brian? Um, was listening to the podcast and you guys came up with your top five black movies of all time. 
by the way, this is James uh, listening in from Chicago. So I love what you guys are doing with the podcast. I definitely listen every week. But let me just give you my take on the top five. In no particular order, Glory, Boys in the Hood, Friday, Malcolm X, and I debated between Do the Right Thing and The Color Purple. I'm going to go with The Color Purple over Do the Right Thing. Um, I also went kind of back and thought about those black exploitation movies. So I think The Mac is probably one of the best ones ever made. Uh, we can go back to Truck Turner and Coffee and Dolomite and all of those. Uh, P.D. Weestraw and the Devil's Son-in-Law. But The Mac is arguably the best one of the black exploitation movies. So I have that one up there as arguably one of the top five of all time. Uh, but I'm going to stick with the glory boys in the hood Friday, the color purple Malcolm X. OK, love what you guys are doing. Keep up the great work on the podcast. All right. Thank you, James. I appreciate that. Uh, a pretty solid list. But B, was glory considered a black movie? Will we consider that a black movie? I mean, you know I know what? it's. I'm going to go ahead and say yes, because okay. even though Matthew Broderick, Matthew Broderick, who uh, famous from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, one of my favorite movies, awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, you have to go and see Ferris Bueller's Day Off right now. Classic film. Uh, even though he was the main character um, as the general or the captain who was in charge, all of the soldiers he were leading were all black. So I think the only really white people in that movie were like the superior officers, but pretty much all of the, I would say, I would go as far as to say that that was pretty much a black cast, at least 70%, I would say, because well, all the soldiers was, were black. Right. That's why I was saying that the Remember the Titans was a black movie because but that wasn't a mixed. That was a mixed team. though. the whole team yeah, wasn't black. But the star <laughs> players, I know the star players, though, were black. all the I soldiers mean, I... were black in glory. Okay. <laughs> all the soldiers, because right. it was a black regiment. OK. All right. All so, right. All right. Uh, I will say this about James's list. I loved his list, except for the color purple. I will be honest, I still to this day, I'm 40 years old. I have never seen The Color Purple. Um, it is, I don't really like sad movies. I don't like movies that are really, really heavy. And, you know, The Color Purple had a lot to do with domestic, you know, uh, violence and, you know, abuse. And, you know, it was just one of those, I don't like slave, not that that was a slave movie, but that time period where, you know, I just don't like, those type of movies they're just kind of heavy for me mm -hmm. and um i i have not i've seen bits and pieces of the color purple but still have not seen the whole thing and and i probably well, never i'm will. the same i'm the same way about glory so i've seen bits and pieces of glory but i haven't seen glory all the way through i just know it stars denzel washington yeah but i haven't seen the movie all the way through but i think that you know, was denzel's uh, first academy award for like support i think so yeah i think so um but I have seen The Color Purple, and I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Back then, I really didn't have a problem with the the movie in that time period because I was kind of like, I was young, right? So I thought that was what we had the options to watch. Now, I really don't want to watch that time period yeah. because we are more, Black people are more than just slavery and 
that time period. So I'm I totally feel you about you know I'm kind of over yeah. those kind of movies. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, uh, but I, I I love the rest of the movies in James uh, in his list. So James, thank you so much for calling. We definitely appreciate that call. Love the list. Oh, and I I I have to touch on the Mac. Love the Mac. Love the Mac. For- See, he mentioned he mentioned some movies, B, that I'm going to have to go back and look. So thank you yeah. for that, James, because I haven't heard of these movies that he uh, listed. Yeah, Goldie, Pretty Tony. You know, uh, you know, uh, Eddie uh, Richard Pryor was in that movie. You know, Antonio okay. Fargus, I believe. You know, uh, great movie. I love the Mac. Uh, the, one of my favorite uh, black exploitation to, movies. So, uh, thank you, James. Check that out. So much for the call. We definitely appreciate that. Um, Just real quick, I want to also, you know, for the people that try to watch the last episode on YouTube, and you know, Kelly got cut out. We're still trying to work in three people on the video. So just have patience with us and we will get that working very soon. But yes, if you want to hear Kelly's part of the interview, just listen to the podcast. So go to Apple or go to Spotify and you can hear Kelly's interview. Yeah. And just so people know, when it comes to uh, the podcast, the the primary uh way to listen to us is the audio podcast that's the more polished version uh that's the edited version that's kind of our bread and butter the video version for all of our people the people who are viewers who watch us on youtube this is more so the bonus this is the behind the scenes you know you actually get to see us but it's not edited so you know if we make a mistake you see the mistake you know it's 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 very uh lightly edited so it's really just real it's real it's 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 the reality television version of the podcast so uh you know it, it's the bonus version so we definitely appreciate all you guys who not just listen to the audio podcast but you guys who actually also go to youtube and watch us as well and uh if you are watching us on youtube please hit that little subscribe button subscribe we got a few more subscribers to the youtube station so definitely subscribe and also share the video if you like what you're seeing definitely share it tell a friend to tell a friend uh but just so people do know yeah we did have some technical issues uh, but we are trying to work out the kinks and uh you know hopefully we will be able to have that figured out very soon And real quick, because I didn't let the people know, for the people that want to call in and leave us a voicemail so you can hear your voice on From New York to the Shy, email from NYC to the Shy at gmail.com. All right. Again, that's from NYC to T-O the Shy at gmail.com. And then you can hear your voice on our podcast definitely please call in and you guys really drive the show we appreciate when you guys call because it's very uh it's easy for us to think of topics uh we can do that all day but we want to actually talk about things that we know that you guys want to hear so when we have your phone calls and we hear you guys calling in we actually know that we're speaking to topics that you guys want to hear so again thank you so much for calling so russ we got anything else well you know this show we gotta we gotta you know give a shout out to our sponsor right so that's title boxing club maplewood is proud to sponsor this episode of from new york to the shy title boxing is fun 
energetic, and a little sexy, kind of like the hosts. We offer amazing group boxing, kickboxing classes, along with personal training. To sign up for our free daily five-minute long workout, message us, and you can follow us at the socials at TBC Maplewood on Facebook and Title Boxing Maplewood on IG. So thank you, Title Boxing. We appreciate you. Thank you, Title Boxing uh, Maplewood. We definitely appreciate you guys. Thank you for sponsoring this episode uh, from New York to the shot. So, Russ, I think that's pretty much about it. I don't have anything else. So uh, just for the people, if you guys want to follow us on Insta, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm just doing a little bounce, baby. You know, I've been drinking that wine, baby. That's, that wine. That's extremely distracting. <laughs> and then also to be like, I sometimes forget that I'm still up on video. So now you guys are, you know how you said it's the behind the scenes. Now yeah. you're seeing all my little corks that I have, man. So. <laughs> all oh, right. Boy. Uh, I stopped. I completely lost my train of thought um if you want to follow me on instagram my name is brian moore and i am at b more for photography uh again that's b-e-m-o-o-r-e the number four photography all right and if you guys want to see more of my little crazy antics you can follow me at rustin underscore steward All right, give me a follow and I give you a follow back. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for spending some time with us. Me and Brian really appreciate it. And B, I'm going to let you close it out with your saying, baby. As we always say, peace and blessings. Hey, living like we're grinding every day. That's the way I play. Never mind what I had to say. Chasing paper today. Love is like I'm grinding every day